When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Sandra. This is Jess. And this is Emily. And you are listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast. Welcome to part two of That Will Do Pig, where we talk our bits. Although we start with a summary, mm-hmm. and I believe it's Jess, who, um, not to put you on the spot or anything, but kind of failed the last time you did it. I uh, sure But you're going to do great this time. You're going to do great this time. <laughs> I practiced this time, so we'll see. And I feel like on part A, I really like loosened up warmed up my vocal cords so let's fingers crossed make this happen all right count me down (laughs) three two one go lane's band gets to play in the gilmore garage and it's winter carnival season again paris is head over heels for jamie and francie takes her distraction as an opportunity to make a play richard is turning 60 lorelei's bad gifts now and tricks makes a surprise visit she's been renting her house to corn the adults have a tense 12 course dinner at the inn suki is a ham and tricks is unwell and moving back to the states emily eats her beans slowly rory and dean rekindle their friendship over coffee causing jess to jealously tag along to the carnival claire is obnoxious and rory comes clean to jess the boys have yet another face off but still no fight oh right at the wire you got to know in that last sentence but no fights yeah no fights. i'm gonna say it's okay (sighs) yeah i'm gonna say success based on what i saw the time yeah okay so congratulations thank you you're back you're back to being good (laughs) i think that's the first time i've genuinely been nervous (laughs) to do that (laughs) like my heart was beating really fast and i was like why am i feeling this way Um, well, this episode, we kind of, I mean, we, we kind of talked about it last week, you know, for an hour and some, um, but, you know, it's, it wasn't, I don't think anyone, we're not going to pick it as our favorite episode of the season. Yeah. That being said, it is a big Rory and Jess episode, so it was nice to see them, is it weird to say making out? They make (laughs) out better than, uh, Dean and Rory did. Oh, yeah. It feels more natural, mm-hmm. right? Like, for Rory and Dina, always just kind of felt like awkward teenage romance, whereas they actually feel like they're together. There's some mm-hmm. passion and chemistry there. Maybe because they were actually dating. Quite possibly, but I think Jared and Alexis also dated, so... Did they? For a shorter period of yeah, time. They dated for, for like, a, a year, and apparently it was very innocent. I just saw a TikTok about this. 
Anyway, <laughs> getting into the bits. First up, we have this week's references with Sandra. So for this week, there were a lot of names mentioned throughout the episode, so I kind of just want to do a quick breeze through all of them. Because, um, I don't know, there were a lot of references that I just did not understand, but none that were, like, very interesting. Oh, what is this? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So first up, we have Minnie Pearl who is mentioned when Trix asks Lorelai if she scares men away with her independence. Lorelai says, actually, I scare them with my mini Pearl impression. And Trix responds with, the lady with the hat? So, mini Pearl was an American comedian who performed for more than 50 years at the Grand Ole Pry. Opry? Opry. Opry. Grand Grand Ole Opry. And um, she did have quite a hat. You can look her up on Wikipedia. That It's quite a hat. Um, her comedy was a gentle satire of Southern American culture or hillbilly culture. And most of her jokes were her unsuccessful attempts to attract the feller's attention. So that's where Lorelei uh, is coming from. The next one is um, at the same, kind of in the same scene, Trix mentions that she's here to show her previous tenants, Corn. Um, out from uh, her place and she calls them a rock band but they're not really a rock band they are classified as new metal and or like post grunge alternative metal um they they their lyrics are like focused on pain and personal alienation they're i want to say emo but not emo they're just they were emo before emo basically <laughs> um they also have very long dreadlocks, uh, even though they're all white. But that's neither here nor there. Um, they were very popular in the 90s. And a personal note from Sandra, I hated them. <laughs> because <laughs> my brother was really into them, and he used to blast them all the time during the 90s. And me, as a seven-year-old, just did not want to listen to metal. <laughs> um, that's fair. Up next, we have Gidget and Moondoggy, who are mentioned when Rory calls Francie out on doing a meeting without Paris, and Francie says, No one is denying Gidget a chance to snag Moondoggy for the clam bake. Which, first off, what a sentence. What a line. So many references. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, Gidget and Moondoggy are characters from the 1959 movie Gidget, starring Sandra Dee and Cliff Robertson, about a 17-year-old Francine... France, Francine, I'm sorry... Francine Lawrence and her summer break between junior and senior year. It takes place mostly on the beach and that's when she meets Moondoggy um, who she's like completely into but he doesn't really like her at first and they kind of go back and forth throughout the... There's a clam bake and a luau <laughs> but she's named Gidget is because the, the surfing group that she becomes friends with call her that um, as a nickname and it's a combination of girl and midget oh oh and that's her name and this has spawned several sequels several spin-offs i have never heard about it in my life um but yeah kind of the 
not great name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the same convo, Francie tells Rory, uh, you do not want to be my enemy, Marlo Thomas. And Rory replies, I think I do, Tina Louise. So Marlo Thomas is an American actress who was in the sitcom That Girl and was the third woman ever to produce her own series after Gertrude Berg and Lucia Ball. Um, Good for her. Meanwhile, Tina Louise, also an American actress, and probably a little bit more well-known to us, played Ginger Grant on Gilligan's Island. Oh, okay. Oh. Yes. So as far as I can tell, they didn't have a rivalry or anything of sorts, but the two of them were just like the queens of, of 60s TV. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what they are referencing is just like I I don't know there's no there's no rivalry so I'm not quite sure why they chose those names but they were famous um up next is Tattoo which is what Jess calls Clara saying hey Tattoo just look for the plane will you to which Clara says what which (laughs) I feel is fair same (laughs) um Tattoo was a character played by and I'm sorry if I butcher this, Harvey John Pierre Villa Chase, who was on a show called Fantasy Island um, that ran from 1977 to 1985. And he's best best well known for his shout on the show, calling out, the plane, the plane. Um, That's who, you know. That sounds so familiar now. I feel like I've seen that somehow. Yeah, it's like a, it's a very famous saying. Um... So we have I have two more. Um, next up is Stuart Little, which I think hopefully we've all seen. I love Stuart Little. I love Stuart Little. I love Stuart Little. Um, Stuart Little was what Jess compared Clara to, saying it's like having Stuart Little shoved into my ear. Um, if you're too young, which some people might be, might be. <laughs> Stuart Little was a movie released in 1999 about an orphan mouse who was adopted into a human family. Uh, the voice actor was Michael J. Fox of Back to the Future fame. And it was a little high-pitched since he was a little mouse. <laughs> um, but Stuart Little was actually based on a 1945 children's novel by E.B. White of the same name, who is also the author of Charlotte's Web. Yes. Yeah, that's why I was familiar. Okay. Can mm-hmm. I share a weird fact about Stuart Little? Yes. Please do. In the book, Stuart Little. Mm-hmm. It is never said that Stuart is a mouse. It is said that he is a little creature very similar to a mouse. Okay. But he's still a creature. He's not a human. But he is born from the mother in the book. Uh, Just like, (laughs) ruminate on that. Because I've been ruminating on that every day since I learned that fact. When did you learn that fact? <laughs> uh, a couple years ago. <laughs> so, mom gave birth to uh, Devil Spawn, a apparently. tiny, furry little critter. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Didn't know that, but thanks for that, Jess. <laughs> I love Stuart Little. <laughs> you take your fact back, Jess. You don't need <laughs> yeah, that. Fish facts, Stuart facts. You guys can't help it. I'm going to keep facting you up. <laughs> Um, so my last reference cannot be any further from Stuart Little because they are Cheech and Good. Chong. Uh, oh, nice. I call Zine and Jess Cheech and Chong instead of their names, which I gotta say, 
I, I just, I, it's not a comparison I would have made. Um, well, if you guys know, yeah, because there's, there's, there's no similarity. No, 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 not at all. It would imply um, buddies, camaraderie. Yeah, no. yeah, weed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know Cheech and Chong, they were um, basically a weed duo. Like <laughs> they were just really into marijuana. Yeah. Uh, they were very popular in the 70s for their stand-up routines and films that focused on the drug and counterculture movement, especially their love for cannabis. Um, they were pretty much always high. If anyone watched the 70s show, that 70s show, Chong played Leo Hyde's boss in the mm-hmm. photo hut. Um, guess what? He played a high hippie. Th- that's basically what they do. So I'm not quite sure why Lorelai compares them to that. I... I get what she's going for, like a sarcastic, like, oh, how are those two friends? But you know who would have worked better? Chandler and Joey or something. Like, not just two people that are known for being Seth Rogen before Seth Rogen was Seth Rogen, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah. It, yeah, it, I mean, it's just, it's a weird comparison. Yeah. Also, Danny, isn't Danny Trejo was one of them, right? No. Mm-mm. Oh, you, why would I have him confused as one of he them? He was uh, Machete. Um, no, it was, uh, Cheech was Cheech Marlin and Tommy Chong. Yeah. I don't know why I've combined Danny Trejo into <laughs> making them a threesome, apparently. Um, but yeah, those were all the names that were mentioned besides, I guess, the title of the episode, which we talked about last week, uh, mm-hmm. which comes from Babe, the movie that scared me a lot. I didn't mention that in last week's episode, but you should know that it scared me as a child. Mental just me. loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but up next, we have a book with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. With Emily. So this week, uh, also in the Francie Rory battle, Rory says, "I've read The Art of War. I know how to fight you, or whatever." Anyway, The Art of War is an ancient Chinese military treatise dating from roughly 5th century BC. The work which is attributed to the ancient Chinese military strategist Sun Tzu, or otherwise was known as Master Sun, is composed of 13 chapters. Each one is devoted to a different set of skills or art related to warfare and how it applies to military strategy and tactics, and for almost 1,500 years, it was the lead text in an anthology that was formalized as the Seven Military Classics by Emperor Shenzong of Song in 1080. The Art of War remains the most influential strategy text in East Asian warfare and has influenced both Far Eastern and Western military thinking, business tactics, legal strategy, politics, sports, lifestyles, and beyond. Why is Rory reading this? (laughs) Why does Rory read half the book she reads? Let's be real. I feel like... We know at this point that Rory loves reading. And, you know, there's, like, people who read pretentious books just to be able to say they read him. That's not what she strikes me as. She genuinely seems to enjoy this stuff. So I'll I'll continue on a little bit. Maybe you guys will hear something that might have intrigued her. Um, It contains a detailed explanation and analysis of the 5th century B.C. Chinese military from weapons, environmental conditions, and strategy to rank and discipline. Sun Tzu also stressed the importance of intelligence operatives and espionage to the war effort. 
Considered one of history's finest military tacticians and analysis, his teachings and strategies formed the basis of advanced military training for millennia to come. Hmm. Do you think he has a chapter about pulling bullies into the bathroom? Is that what she's <laughs> reading it for? <laughs> well, it is still used as an instructional mar- as instructional material at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. It is listed on the Marine Corps Professional Reading Program and is recommended reading for all military intelligence personnel in the U.S. It is also recommended for officer cadets at the Royal Military Academy, which would be the U.K. Uh, According to some authors, the strategy of deception was studied and widely used by the KGB. Cool. Cool, cool. Uh, And then it's also been used in Japan, Vietnam, and Finland were just the ones referenced in what I was searching. Can I tell you my horrible he- headcanon? Yes. Um, the reason why Rory read this was because the week before, quote unquote, um, Tristan went to military school and she was <laughs> like, I need to read up on the military stuff. <laughs> Maybe. She didn't say when she read it. Right? Now, it does say much of the text is about how to outsmart one's opponent without actually having to engage in physical battle. I mean, that sounds useful. Mm -hmm. Many business books have applied the lessons taken from the art of war to office politics and corporate business strategy, and many Japanese companies make the book required reading for a lot of their executives. Wow. I'm not going to lie. It looks really boring, but I'm not a military person, so... Like no, if no offense to anybody who's read and enjoyed this book, but it just—it's not my taste. In media, it has been referenced in the 1987 movie Wall Street, not Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Wall Street. Wall Street was Michael Douglas, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's actually his character that references it. Um, it was in Die Another Day, The Sopranos, and Star Trek: The Next Generation. Interesting. There They're is all very similar. A, yes. <laughs> there is a 2000 action spy film called the art of war that you know pretty clear where it's got where it got its name not really anything to do with the book wesley snipes is in it it's some kind of like un espionage movie so the fact that war is in it i guess i don't know um the real question the real answer rather could probably just be that you know rory wants to be an overseas correspondent so, like, I kind of connects. I took it as Rory has plans to become a spy and does not want anybody <laughs> yes. to know yet. <laughs> you know what? That is exactly what it is. Rory would be a terrible spy. Oh, awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was pretty much the, that was the art of war. Um, just, um, I know there's also Chuck Berry at the Fillmore mentioned. And I did look into him a little bit, and because I was going to use him as my reference, um, there is unfortunately some scandal and abuse charges against him that I just did not want to bring up. Um, so that's why I chose the art of war. <laughs> yeah, we know that uh, if anyone's going to talk about morbid stuff, it should be Sandra and her references. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, and I just didn't uh, mention him. So. Yeah. So that was an intentional decision to not have a, his reference in the podcast. So after that, we have fashion with Jess. Making fashion choices, making fashion choices, making fashion choices with Jess. 
right, fashion this week. We are well into winter in this episode, and so we're getting a lot of winter fashion. Um, and there's definitely some like strong hits and misses here. So starting from the top, we have our opening where our trio of ladies, Laura, uh, Rory, and Lane, are walking through town. And I think uh, the standout in this scene for me is Rory. Uh, when you look at Rory in her costume, and Rory is wearing jeans, an oversized brown coat, kind of more masculine, military-inspired, and this red scarf. Uh, and then you see Lorelai, who's wearing a pink hoodie, a powder blue vest, a blue snowflake hat. Lane, who's wearing a white coat, a red turtleneck, a red and blue striped hat, and a, and a plaid scarf. When you look at the two of them, Lorelai and Lane, compared to Rory, they look like they're in different shows. Like, Rory just looks so chic and polished. She's got this really clean middle part, sleek hair. Um, she just looks so elevated beyond the two of them. And I think it's really interesting because when did Rory become chic and elevated? Right? That was always also, Lorelai. Lorelai would be freezing. freezing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely freezing. Yeah. Absolutely. She's got to have, like, a long sleeve layer on under there or she is freezing. Um, I actually think Rory looks like older Rory. Yeah, like she looks five, yeah. Six Rory, an yeah. adult. Yeah, mm -hmm. it reminds me of like the period where she gets bangs. Which spoiler alert, I the love best. Rory with bangs. Yeah. Love it. Um, but love this it. look is really pretty on her. So if you haven't watched this episode in a while, like just take a peek back. Right at the beginning, she looks great. Uh, moving on to the inn with the fateful Hungarian scene. Lorelai is wearing, and this is the same outfit she wears when she's home and we see Dean save her from the spider. She has this cream ribbed turtleneck sweater, uh, and she's wearing these black pinstripe flared pants with these high-heeled boots. I usually like a kind of oversized turtleneck sweater, but something about the proportion of this and the fit of this, I just really don't like. The pants are so fitted and flared. The sweater is kind of huggy in some places, kind of baggy in other places. Um, the turtleneck isn't especially flattering. If you're somebody who wears turtlenecks, you know that there's certain like turtleneck heights that are like cute. And then there's, oh my gosh, I'm choking. Um, and this is kind of not my favorite on Lorelai. So I feel like this was a swing and a miss here. The sweater just looks too big. Right? Like, it just doesn't fit like quite right. It's there's one thing to have like a baggy sweater and then another thing for it to just be a size too big and this just feels a size too big. Yeah, I it think a fitted sweater would be fine. It reminds me of the Moo Moo from the pilot, <laughs> but Rory Rory like well. Yeah, but hers was oversized and baggy and it was meant. It to was be meant that to way. be. Yeah, this just 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 misses the mark. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to give a little shout out to Emily that we see on the phone during this scene. Uh. I have to give a shout out to Emily's ponytail. Right? Emily has a ponytail. And I'm just like, I love it because we see her with the exact same hair scene after scene, episode after episode. And we know she goes and gets her hair done. So that makes sense. But like real people do different things with their hair. And so this is really mm -hmm. nice. She looks super chic. She's got a cute little white t-shirt and this kind of like cardigan jacket it's marled with a red, white, and black uh, plaid element. She just looks really chic. She's at home. She's planning a party. I love this outfit on her. And I think the ponytail really pulls it together and makes it a fit. For some reason, Lorelai is really all about pink. When we see her in Luke, she's got gray pants and then a pink collared sweater with a pink and white scarf. Too much pink, if you ask me. Oh, God. Yeah. It just, like, 
a lot of pink. I I love pink on Lorelai in the right amount, and this is just like too bubblegum for me. I Some people may disagree. hate those kind of pants, the pants that are big on the bottom. Yeah, bootcut pants. I bought a pair recently of bootcut jeans. And every time I wear them, I have to, like, fight with myself to get out the door. Because, like, yeah, they're cool again, but at what cost? Yeah, I'm not into them. <laughs> oh, man, I love that they're coming back. Oh, no. Except for that then they drag on the ground and they get all wet during the don't winter. Don't care. <laughs> Especially when there's snow out. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That's why you wear boots and then you don't feel it. Um, as usual, I am skipping all of the Chilton scenes because they're all wearing uniforms. And yes, there are variation in uniforms, but I don't care enough to break it down. <laughs> um, jumping into Richard's birthday party, a very intimate affair. Um, we have Lorelai, who is in a very nondescript outfit of black pants, a dark blue, dark purple button up. She's got this bold beaded necklace with a white pendant. She wears a lot of very bold jewelry. Um, that's been something kind of a, a trend through the last few episodes. We see a lot of bold necklace choices on her, lots of pendants. Lorelai's outfit is just so blah, like whatever. Rory's got a little bit more interest in this. She has this polka dot dress with a v-neck and like a white kind of sash at the waist but it's got this really big frilly kind of oversized collar almost like a pilgrim it's got like a pilgrim it's got kind of like uh grandma vibes and like you guys know i love a grandma outfit but when we usually see tricks tricks loves to rock a big bold collar she doesn't in this particular scene, but this feels like it's evoking... Because Rory stole it. It's, it's yeah. evoking Trix. Maybe it summoned her. Trix's, like, big collar <laughs> alarm went off and she appeared on the Gilmore's doorstep. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but have we seen Rory in a deep V like this? I don't think anything Ooh, this deep I don't before. Think so. Usually right? we get a pretty, like, a boat neck, a crew mm-hmm. neck. Uh, she's really barren at all for Grandpa's birthday. And also just to kind of have her hair pulled back into what's almost a messy bun. Yeah, it's an interesting combination. And we also see her sitting on the floor. It feels like weirdly casual and fancy at the same time. Um, The last outfit that I want to mention is uh, when we see Lorelai and Emily racing to fix the house before Trix arrives. Um, And I just want to pull on... One, Emily falls prey to the same big sweater issue I have with Lorelai at the inn. I just feel like that sweater is like a little too oversized. The pants are a little too blah. The coat is a little too cardigan oversized-y. I know she's scrambling, but I don't feel like this is an outfit that Emily would ever put together. Lorelai, on the other hand, looks super cool. She's got this really great textured long red coat. She has a very long skinny pink scarf, which are weirdly coming back in, and I'm not sure how I feel, and a big blue pendant necklace. I think it's probably clear. Um, I thought that Rory in that opening scene, that's going to be my best dress. She just looks so chic and put together, which is funny because she was wearing jeans and a coat. Um, I just really appreciated the styling, the full body styling on that outfit. Everybody else was fine. I don't think anybody was so criminal. I would call them worst dressed, but that was my fashion recap. And did I miss anything? Um, you know, I love me a hat, a beanie mm-hmm. especially, and I just love the blue beanie that uh, Rory has on. 
Like yeah. the beanie scarf. Oh, when they're so when cute. they're making when, out. Yeah. Yeah. And when she was with Dean. Um yeah. I just think it's so cute. And like winter is coming to yes. um <laughs> to New Jersey. So like I'm just getting ready for the scarves and beanies. I love them. We're just we're having this weather where it's like fifty five degrees in the morning and it's eighty four by the time I leave work. So I just don't know how to yeah. dress right now and it's mm-hmm. a nightmare. Yep. It's it's been that here. It's been like high 40s, low 50s in the morning, and then mid 70s by the afternoon. I'm like, what do I put my child in? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like me, I'm home. I can I can change. But what do I, like my child? Once she's out the door, she's out the door. Yeah. Um, I will say, the outfit the Lorelai is wearing when Emily is about to have her freak out at the house, mm-hmm. um, and once when she's under underneath that pink coat that she's wearing, she has like this purple long sleeve V neck with yeah. a collar. That I think looks really great as well. Yes. That, so that would probably outfit, be my favorite. That outfit was really nice. I just, something about, like, Rory's hair and, like, the fact the jacket was a little oversized, it almost feels like something she could have borrowed from Jess. Like, mm. there's a lot of, like, headcanon playing into that, but mm. I get to play favorites. That's what you do when you're the fashion segment. <laughs> but that was the fashion segment. And after fashion, we have Stars Hollow Speaks. Love. Okay, so for this week's, uh, for Stars Hollow Speak, so we did get a message from Kendra about the episode for Deep Fried Korean Thanksgiving. She says, one of my favorite episodes ever. Classic feel-good Gilmore Girls to me. I love Suki's evening. Am I laughing or crying? I love their sensitivity to Luke's feelings, finally, and I love the coat fashion. As a Southern California gal, I never get to wear coats, so I'm envious of their clothes here. (laughs) Same... The coats are magical. So much same, right? And then a couple of responses on our story for that episode, too. Um, Kendra also said, salad bowl lives rent-free in my head forever. Oh, the salad bowl from Belgium that got broken. Ah. Oh, my salad bowl. Yep. Uh, Fancy Nancy says, smad. Which <laughs> just reminds me of the episode where they go to New York with Charlie from Twilight. Hell yeah. I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm sad. I'm mad, I'm sad. Um, and then Sam Skeety says, hate the comments about the kiss, hate Lorelai's childish behavior with the applications, and hate Dean's provocations. Dave cannot be too perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Is she saying Pardon. that Dave is perfect or that we're saying... She says Dave can't be too perfect, so I take that to mean is he is just too perfect. You know, what? I think Dave maybe she's she's maybe way. she's disagreeing with John, as we know John was a anti Lane Dave shipper. Heresy. Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we also asked for your thoughts on this episode, the current episode we are talking about, and we got a number of responses. Kendra said, "So annoying, <laughs> Clara." Yes. Yes, I think we all agree. <laughs> um, just let me say, I've worked with hundreds of kids of all ages, and Clara's behavior is either indicative of a startling socio-developmental delay, never mentioned or referenced it in the show, never hinted at again, which makes me believe it's an option, or two, which is bad writing. One, uh, Once again, Amy re- reveals she does not know how to write children's language. Worst part of the episode. I think we all agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time Claire is in an episode, 
she's just miserable. Mm-hmm. So It's miserable to watch her. Thank you, Kendra. Uh, we also got a comment from uh, Talking Fast Podcast who said, I feel bad for Jess during that carnival, still compared to Dean. Yeah, he just can't get out of Dean's shadow, which is funny because Jess's shadow was shadowing Dean for quite a long Much time. Much larger. Yeah. Yeah. And also Dean is huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no one yeah. can get around. <laughs> Literally can't get out of his shadow. <laughs> and then we got a comment from Gabby saying, I love Emily learning to be amused by tricks, just like Lorelai said. Yeah, I think that's a great moment of growth for Emily. Good for her. Mom and daughter. And we also got a message from Ayla, and Ayla said, Honestly, I feel like Jess's comments on the Rory Dean friendship are really valid and are not demonstrating the same type of possessiveness that Dean had in his relationship with Rory. In my opinion, it is weird and sketchy to suddenly become friends with your ex and not tell your current significant other, especially given the way that Dean acts towards Jess near the bathrooms. It is so shitty. Jess is hot but he could have been a bit more supportive about the carnival in the first place. On another note, I love Emily in this episode. Trix is such a witch with a B, lol. Yes. And yes I, to everything. I, like, <laughs> Trix does it on purpose, which is the oh, worst yeah. part. She knows. She knows. Yeah. Oh, that's I a cannot, <laughs> that's where I, I cannot hear witch with a B without... I don't know if it was from a movie or a TV show or what but it's just like oh my god she's such a witch with a b like full valley girl accent i i that's the only way i can hear that somebody will be listening and, and will it. immediately know that reference Please and it'll be like me. that one time we missed a reference and everybody sent it to us so <laughs> i i want to say clueless but i could be completely wrong maybe um, anyway thank you ayla and thank you everybody who sent us comments about this episode and last episode, we had a poll. We got the responses for um, who was the most annoying person in the episode. And most people, it was like 50% or like close to 50% was Clara. And then like 40% was um, Francie. Francie. Right? Mm-hmm. So it is kind of a, a mixture between the two of them. Um, although I did mention Dean because Dean, to me, is very annoying. Um, and Kendra was like, Somehow, still Dean being one of the options made her laugh. <laughs> it's like, well, um, and then Amy wrote in and just said, Francie is the worst, which anytime I see worst with I mean, like multiple yes. O's, I just think of uh, John, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Raffio. I'm missing a. The worst. The worst. <laughs> but I'm missing his name. I'm miss- Parks and Rec. Yes. John, John Raffio. John Raffio. John Raffio. Yeah. Um, it's so funny every time I see it. Um, and then I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Stephanie and then to Chloe, who gave us some emails. Thank you so much, girls, for sending in your opinions. And we'll email you guys back privately. But that was our Star Hollow Speaks, which means that's the end of the episode. The last thing we have is coffee. Yes. So I don't. Last week, we kind of talked about a moment where Lorelai walks into the kitchen with a mug, throws the mug down over the spider. I'm assuming she had coffee off screen. We did not see it. I'm not counting it. Correct. Agreed. Um, That being said, Rory and Lorelai had one cup of coffee at Luke's. Uh, Lorelai had a cup of coffee at the inn. 
And at the very end of the episode, Lorelai had a cup of coffee while Lorelai and Rory were like talking about their day. Rory did say she and uh, Dean went for coffee and even said he asked her for coffee and I had like we did or whatever. They, she never orders coffee. She doesn't order no. anything, actually. She just eats yeah. his pie. Um, so I'm going to say... Oh, dirty. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say... <laughs> um, <laughs> Lorelai had three cups of coffee and Rory had one cup of coffee. All right. So, I mean, it's the chilly season. Coffee mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, and I'm it's so excited to start to... drinking hot chocolate again. Oh, my God. Same. I ordered a hot chocolate today, and I got two pumps of hazelnut in it. Love a hazelnut hot chocolate. Okay, I gotta ask you guys, hot chocolate or cocoa? Hot chocolate? Unless I make it out of a packet, and then it's cocoa. Interesting. I just call it hot chocolate every time. Um, I don't know how normal this is, but my version of hot chocolate at home is just heating up a glass of chocolate milk. (laughs) I mean... It just just, works. It's hot and it's chocolatey milk. So like, this is fine. So that's, that's my comfort. (laughs) I do have to say, there's a YouTuber who I followed for years and I'm sure people will listen to this and be like, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about, who does iced chocolate and just thinks that like, she created this really cool drink and it's just chocolate milk. (laughs) I think she (laughs) brews it hot and then puts it over ice, but I'm always like, Girl, it's chocolate milk. I'm anyway. sure that's a drink at Dunkin' Donuts. A nice chocolate. A nice chocolate? Maybe. Um. Anyways, we've gotten way off topic because this is the end of the episode. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Um, we're I'm really glad that this format has worked. Again, just letting you guys know, this is probably going to be the last time we say it, but we are recording these in advance, so just keep that in mind um, for the next couple months that we're not recording the week before we upload the episode. Yeah. Yes, and if we just miss that anything mind. that you send to us, we promise that we are not avoiding sharing it. It's just that we are preparing for a couple of very big life events, and so we need to record back to back to back. We're going to try to squeeze as much as we can in. We still love you. Send us your thoughts. Thank you. And uh, my big life event that I keep teasing, I will let you know next week. <laughs> it's, it's pretty big. Like It is pretty big. Emily's having a baby. I'm planning a wedding. And I would say Sandra's life event is like on par with Emily's. We're talking life changing. But you won't know for another week. You guys are hyping it up so much. <laughs> right? And then it's going to be like... I bought a car. No, I didn't get a car. Bought a Something second else. bookshelf. Yeah. We love I it. Bought it's a so second good. bookshelf. And I built it. Um, but thank you again for listening. As always, I was Sandra. And I was Emily. And I was Jess. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so on Instagram or Twitter at townmeetingpod. Or if you'd like to send us an email, send it to townmeetingpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to toss us a couple bucks and support the podcast, find us on buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting.